Welcome to the Morning Dove Podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. In this space, I hope to normalize the grief journey while amplifying stories of loss. I believe that listening to each other's stories brings validation, empathy, and an increased understanding of foreign perspectives. By providing a window into the loss community, it is my hope that you will feel seen, heard, and deeply loved. Now on to the episode. Hi, Heather. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? They're pretty good. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Um, I'm really looking forward to our conversation and to sharing the book that you wrote. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm touched and I'm honored to be able to share um, my story and, and my dad's story with you. Yeah, I think it's um, it's definitely, it's not easy to share these stories, but I feel like it's such a gift both for the person who's sharing and for like the listener to just hear about other people's lives and and to hear about your dad. Like I'm really looking forward to, to knowing about him. Yeah, I, th- I think that it's um, it's almost kind of a bit of a culture shock to be mm-hmm. sharing stories. So we're so used to sharing positive stories and all the good things going on in life. Yeah, and um, this whole you know having to talk about losing you know people that you love is so completely different. And um, we just you really have to learn how to how to do grief in front of you know the world, and you have no idea kind of how to do that. And it's, it's incredibly shocking. Yeah. And traumatizing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely is. I keep like kind of saying like, they don't, there's no grief class in high school. Like there's nothing that would teach us how to both interact with someone who's grieving or be the grieving person. It's just like, just kind of thrown into it and we're all going to be thrown into it at some point in time. So absolutely. Yeah. I used to see myself as a fairly empathetic person in general until happened, and then I realized kind of how um, ignorant I was unknowingly, um, you know, to this horrible part of life that, you know, had never happened to us before until now. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I would love to just start by just hearing your story and hearing about your dad. Yeah. Um, so I come from a split family. Um, my dad was my, he's my stepdad. Um, he's not, I don't have a relationship with my biological dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom met him when we were uh, 12 years old. We kind of had, you know, my mom had kind of had some tough goes. Um, she had, uh, you know, twins when she was 18 years old. Um, and did that alone, um, you know, with the help of family. And, um, you know, she had, um, things weren't always great. Um, they weren't easy. Um, you know, I don't, we had a good childhood because of her and, you know, how kind of motivated and and strong she was, but, um, it wasn't easy. Um, when I think about kind of life now, when I see my life more, you know, smooth than kind of hers was. And, um, you know, finally, um, she, you know, met someone incredible. Uh, we were 12 years old. It was 28 years ago. Um, and he was, he was amazing and wonderful, um, for her and, um, just a good human being just, you know, 
Um, everything that I remember about him was that he was, you know, just an uncomplicated, just simple, happy person. And um, he made her so happy. And that's kind of, I feel like, from everything I remember about my childhood, that's kind of when life began. And uh, we used to joke with him, you know, kind of all the time. He was married previously and he always joked that he wouldn't get married again. And, um, you know, after um, a length of time, he, you know, they did get married and it was awesome. And, you know, we were all a part of it. And, um, you know, they just lived just a lovely life together. Um, and uh, it was looking back now, at how, you know, uh, complicated you feel like life is. Um, life was just simply wonderful. You know, hindsight really kind of makes you realize that. Um, so he was um, incredibly hardworking, just a hardworking man. He was um, 63 years old, uh, seven months shy of his retirement, which he talked about every time I saw him, every day. He always talked about it. And um, they were just really looking forward to kind of life starting, you know, after retirement, they had a lot of plans. They're very young at heart. Um, so they were planning on, you know, traveling and um, RVing and, or just, you know, doing the things that you do when you retire. And um, he was 63, my mom is uh, 57. Um, just kind of life ahead of them. And on um, December 18th, uh, I was sleeping. It was about six o'clock in the morning. And I woke up to my phone vibrating and I had it sitting beside the bed and I picked it up and it was my twin sister on the other line. And she said to me, um, I knew this as soon as I saw her phone number because she doesn't call me at that mm -hmm. time. She does. And she said, um, Hev, you need to get up right now. And I don't know why, because he never, there were never really any imminent health problems. There was nothing ever mm -hmm. in that history of cardiovascular disease in his family. Um, but otherwise seemingly healthy, seeing the doctor regularly, you know, keeping everything in check. Um, the second that she said that, I just knew that mm -hmm. it And she said, you need to get up. And I sat up so quickly. And I said, don't say it. Don't, don't say the words, don't say anything. And she said, um, mom couldn't wake Terry up this morning. Mm -hmm. And um, I just was like, just telling her, I was moving fast, but at the same time I was saying to her, please stop talking, don't say these words, like this is not real. Yeah. I'm moving so fast to try and find my clothes and get dressed and my husband sat up and he's, I can hear him saying to me in the background, what's going on? What's happening? And um, I looked over at him, I was in the bathroom gathering my stuff and I looked over and I said, Terry died. And those words haunt me still having to say those words and hear them over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I just, his face, when I said it, just his head just dropped back and his eyes closed. And 
And I was panicking so much that I was, you know, rushing around my home. My mom lives 10 minutes away from me. And I was rushing around trying to grab my stuff. And I, I said, I think I'm going to pass out. I just felt like my heart was beating so fast. And I, my adrenaline was just pumping so hard. And I, uh, I stopped for a second and kind of gathered myself. And then I left and I drove as fast as I could um, to get there. And it was, you know, it's, it's crazy now. I think to myself, if anyone else has ever been in this position and I've gotten angry with them, but, you know, I had people driving in front of me and I was just so badly trying to, you know, get around them and get past them. And I know that, you know, if a police officer saw me, you know, he would have pulled me over and I would have said, please, you know, drive me to my mom's house. Yeah. Um, and um, I got to her house and I pulled up to the front and parked my car and I got out and nobody was there. There was no ambulances, no fire trucks. There was a police car, two police cars. And I stepped in my car and I saw blue rubber gloves sitting on the ground outside. And I'm a paramedic, I wear those every single day. And I just look at them so differently now. And I walked into the house and the police officer was standing at the door and I walked towards the kitchen and I could see down the hall that my mom's bedroom door was closed. And um, I walked into the kitchen and I saw my mom standing there and obviously she was crying and um, in a way that I'd never seen her before. And that was really heartbreaking to see that pain. Um, and just, I hadn't even really gotten to the point yet where I was acknowledging or accepting what happened. I just was now seeing her and then all of a sudden I was just, I was broken for mm -hmm. her. And, um, and my sister was also there. She got there a few minutes before I did. And, um, she said to us that, um, so she, I, we kind of asked what, so at this point, um, everyone had gone and she said, um, he's still in the room. Um, he was still in their bedroom at that point. And, um, I, uh, I said like, what, like, what happened? What? Yeah. And she said that, um, she woke up at five 30 in the morning as she always does to, um, make his breakfast for him before he was getting ready to work. It was a Friday morning and, um, and she made his tea and, and his breakfast and she called his name from the kitchen and she said he didn't answer. And she walked into the room and turned on the light and she called his name again and he didn't answer. And she said in that second, she knew she tried so hard to wake him up and he wasn't answering. And um, she called 911 and um, they got there and um, they told her that he'd been gone for a bit. So he, sometime in the night, um, he woke up to go to the bathroom around one o'clock and um, between one and 5.30, he had passed. And um, so 
that alone is devastating. And, you know, I don't think that we ever really think about what that's like for people. Um, this happens every single day for people that they, you know, people pass in their sleep for seemingly no reason at all. Nothing that we can see, nothing that we know. And um, that trauma, you know, for my, for my mom, I, I think about that every single day and what that must have been like for her. Um, so the, at that point, um, the coroner decided not to come to the home because I guess of his age and he was on a couple of medications, you know, for, um, type two diabetes and things like that. It's kind of at that point, they just decide that it's natural causes and don't really do anything. So, um, we waited for the funeral home to come. So in that time, um, we got to go in and sit with him. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think that I could have ever moved on in life without being able to do that. Yeah. Just being able to sit with him and um, hold his hand and talk to him and just say goodbye. Um, even though it will never be good enough. Um, it was obviously incredibly emotional to see, um, working the job that I work, I see people in that state all the time. Um, mm -hmm. but it's different to see, um, you know, your you know, person that you've loved for almost your whole life. Um, so it was really emotional and I um, obviously, a lot of crying, a lot of, a lot of crying. And, um, it was so strange. I think about it now, but I was crying so much to the point where I really couldn't control it. And then just all of a sudden, like everything just went calm. Like everything just, it was almost like, I feel like he was there. It was, it's really strange. I'm not a spiritual person, but, um, I just, I just stopped crying. And it was just like, in my mind, I thought, okay, this is going to, it's going to be okay. Like I, um, and of course it didn't feel like that for a really long time. Um, but, um, so, you know, we spent that time with him and because of COVID everything kind of had to move faster than I was it normally does. Um, we eventually, the, the funeral home came to take him away. And that was, um, that was really hard to see because, you know, you, you see this home that people have, you know, your loved ones have built this home um, where they've, you know, just love their family. And I'm sorry. Oh. Um, and all of his things are around him and you never, you never really think about how a person will leave this earth. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's just not how you imagine it. I don't know what I imagined for him, but you just always assume, I think you live life assuming that you'll say goodbye to your parents when they're in a nursing home. Yeah. Peacefully when, you know, they're elderly and they've done everything that they want to do. And, 
that's not how things ended. Uh, and that's really hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. To, to see him not walking out of his home, but being carried out of his home was really hard. Um, so that same day, um, the funeral home had said to us, um, you know, if, if we'd like you to come to the funeral home today and start planning. And that just seemed so incredible. I still think about, I don't know how my mom was ever expected to do that, but she did it and she did it so just gracefully. Um, I just really admire how she was able to kind of handle everything. Um, so just, um, you know, we went back inside and, and chose his clothing. And um, three hours later, we were at the funeral home kind of planning everything. And um, it's just so crazy when you think about it. When I look back and kind of think about how everything went, it's just, it's surreal. It kind of feels like a movie. Yeah. It's not real life. Um, and it's, it's so, it's so weird in a way, because again, like we go through life, not really thinking about how, you know, the grown adults in your life leave this world or how they, they could leave. And you always just assume that it's going to be a certain way. And when it's not that way, it's a complete shock. Yeah. And I think there is something to the shock of it because, um, you know, people, your dad was really young and, you know, usually I think, you know, just the people who pass that young, there's usually a, a significant illness or there's some kind of a, something that lets you expect it a little bit more and not to say that that type of grief is, is less than, but I do think there's something to just the suddenness of it that has an impact on your grief journey because yeah, I, I think you're thrown into it. And I remember just after our son died, just feeling like the days afterwards were like you said, just so surreal. And just like, you're kind of almost having this like out of body experience where these things are just happening. And do you know, like how long that lasted for you or at one point in time, you started to feel like you were kind of coming back into your body. It's so strange because I still think that I can put it on the back burner mm -hmm. in a way when I have to you know, kind of, you know, focus and deal with things that need to happen in life, like, you know, children and your family and, and the, you know, work and things like that. But, but it's still it still feels so surreal because it, it feels so surreal that it happened to us, that this has still happened because, you know, these are, these are the, these are the people that you love most in the world. And, and it feels, it feels wrong that they were just taken, that they're just gone. And that's really hard to, that's really hard to accept that, um, it's, it's really difficult. So I don't know that I've gotten past that, um, that shock because I, I still, 
it's still sometimes often, you know, kind of just, I stand there and think like, wait a second, when, when, when are you coming back? Like, this is, mm-hmm. this, this is so, it feels so wrong. Like it just, it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. I think there are still moments where I'm like, how did this happen to us? Like how, yeah. how did this happen? And I think that's an area of grief that is important to talk about of just that sort of, you're not, it, it's like your, your mind can't really wrap itself around the reality of what's happened. And yeah, it's like, you can't really talk yourself into it at all. Yeah. 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 I, and I, I, like I've said, and I've said this, you know, a lot, just that, you know, I'm around death all the time. And, and I, I always thought like, this is a normal part of life. I don't know why people are so surprised by it. Like life isn't fair. And that was always the mentality that I had. And I think maybe that's why I was able to kind of cope and deal and, um, you know, with bad things that were happening. Like this is a part of life. We're not invincible, you know? Um, And I know that's a really kind of cold way to live. Um, It's not how I lived my life, but I think that's how I was able to deal with the bad things. Yeah. Which I, which I, I'm grateful for because I don't know that I would fall apart every day if I had to go to work, come home, go to work, you know, and then have to always, I don't know that I could really keep going and, and still stay sane, but, um, this, yeah, this just really changed my perspective on, um, on just life and, and just experience other people, you know, sharing experiences with other people, experiences with other people like this. It's just, it's completely changed the way that I see um, grief and death. Yeah. When you would um, be at work and, and something would happen and someone would, would encounter death, did you ever think about like, oh, what if this happens to my, I, I, I could be the type of person who would then take that and say like, what if this was my husband or my, you know, yeah, whoever, did you ever do that? Or were you able to kind of not do that? Um, so I have absolutely way too many times. Um, I, I am diagnosed, um, PTSD and mm-hmm. anxiety and depression. I've lived with depression for, a really long time and that depression kind of comes in waves it ebbs and flows um and i uh in those in those lows um is where i always would lay in bed every night and i would think about i would take the scenarios that i saw you know at work and i would put my family in those spots not because i wanted to but because i it's almost like i wanted to prepare myself i yeah. wanted to be prepared for when they would, and I, and that might sound so crazy to some people and then not crazy to others. Yeah. That doesn't sound crazy to me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's because I, I just, I would see other people's realities and think, all right, this is, this is a possibility. This could happen. What would I do if this happened to me? And I would traumatize myself, um, with those experiences that didn't happen. So, um, because, you know, sudden death is something that I see a lot, especially in, people my dad's age and my parents age um I would often think about what 
what if it was them? Mm-hmm. And, and then I would imagine that scenario, I would imagine every single step of the way and, you know, from start to finish. And that is again, part of that anxiety um, and that depression that kind of can do that to you. Um, but then I always thought, but no, that's not my reality. And okay, I'm going to move on from it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it was, and then that we were exactly in the spot that I imagined us being in, except it's a million times worse than I could have ever imagined. Wow. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate. Um, someone very close to me had a stillbirth three months before us. And so I did go to that place of, well, what if this happens to us? And the same thing, like I, you can't prepare yourself. And I think a lot of people then struggle with the thought of, well, well did, did my thoughts, you know, maybe cause this and, and have sort of the like guilt feeling. I don't know if you ever experienced anything like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's 100% not true. And I think our rational minds can kind of think out of that, but there still are some of those lingering thoughts um, because I think we just, we, we want to find a reason or we want to blame someone. And sometimes I think it is easier to blame ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think it's, I think it's so easy to, I mean, and, and every, I have four children and, and I, in every single pregnancy and I think about it you know all the time when I listen to your podcast and every story that I hear I think about that dread and that anxiety and that fear and it would keep me up at night thinking about all those things and um, I do know as a rational human being, human being that I could never manifest something like that that's exactly. not right like I mean you can manifest a lot of great things in life because you positive attitude and, you know, be motivated and go get something, but I don't believe in any way, shape or form. You could never manifest something like that. That's not right. Um, but, but just, it's natural. It's natural to be so fearful and then blame yourself when something bad happens. Yeah, absolutely. Was it hard for you to go back to work? I mean, have you gone back completely? Um, yeah, so I, uh, so I initially, when this first happened, um, I had, because it was a week before Christmas. Okay. Um, and I, I had, to, I took two weeks off to kind of really just um, obviously absorb everything. And um, we just needed to be there. We just felt like we needed to be there for every single moment um, that my mom was just trying to make sure that everything was taken care of for her. I didn't want her to have to worry or think about too much, um, making sure that she was eating and sleeping and just needing to witness kind of that so that we could be able to help her in any way possible. Yeah. And then I didn't sleep at all. I don't think the first couple of weeks and even more, but I, um, so after two weeks, I did go back to work and I think I ended up going back for about a month, maybe, maybe two months. Um, and I wasn't okay. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew before I went back to work because of the situation and the, 
the, the scenario that we were in with him, I knew that that's a scenario that I deal with every day um, or almost every day at work. Like we're constantly in a situation where, you know, someone has passed and we have to go in and either try to do something or we can't do anything. And I didn't want to be in that position. I didn't want to um, have to constantly think about what had happened um, and relate that to work. Um, and I knew that that was impossible to avoid, but I tried going back. And like I said, I was there for a couple of months, I think. And um, I couldn't work a single shift without being bitter and angry and heartbroken and all of the things. And I spent, you know, all of that time thinking to myself, every single person that I you know, took to the hospital and helped or did something for, I thought, this isn't fair. What my dad didn't even have a chance. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I spend my entire, I've spent my entire career just helping other people. And, you know, one of the only people that I truly want to help, I can't help. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing I could do. And I just carried so much anger with me. Um, and I just, I was not even close to being able to move on and heal in any way because of that I felt. So I, um, I just, I, I was going to my doctor for just a regular checkup appointment and he asked me how I was doing. And I said, um, I'm not okay. Yeah. And that was kind of, I just made the choice right then and there to say, like, I need to step away. I need to, I need to step back and I can't, do I, I almost felt like I couldn't do anything I couldn't take on any responsibilities I couldn't I was really struggling mentally um and, and I was I had this conversation with my husband constantly and even still um I couldn't think straight I couldn't remember things I was mixing up my words I couldn't have a conversation I couldn't focus on anything and I don't know if you had a similar thing where you just I couldn't do life like I was really having a hard time with that. And, um, I decided to, um, I called, um, we have a trauma program through my work, um, mm -hmm. which lucky enough to have. And I decided to call them because I knew that I needed some sort of help and not just regular help. Like something was wrong in my head. Um, so I, um, I started a, a trauma program with them because I think I just, I don't know if it was kind of PTSD related to him dying in that situation and then being in that environment with him and everything. And I just couldn't let anything go. And um, yeah, I just couldn't cope. So I, yeah, so I had to step back from work. So I stepped back for about six weeks. Mm -hmm. So I could just, and really just I didn't really live. I was just present. I was just here, yeah. you know? Um, and that I think was necessary to just do the bare minimum and um, do a little bit of counseling. And then again, just spend that time, you know, with my mom and, and making sure it was really like, you know, as a, as a child who's lost a parent and I realize now you're not just grieving your own loss, but 
you're grieving your 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 other parents' loss. You know the grief that comes with knowing and and knowing that she's lost her the life that she imagined. Um, that is so painful. I never imagined. I never really thought about that and how awful that would be. Yeah, that I can only imagine because um, I think that's important to bring up that you are, I, I can only imagine watching a loved one grieve somewhat like that. I think that would be so hard. And I think it goes back to you saying that you're a very empathetic person and I can imagine the amount of pain you would experience seeing that. It's, it's truly like nothing. I'll, I'll never, there will need, I don't think there will ever be anything in the whole entire world that will feel worse. I mean, short of, you know, I could imagine, you know, losing my children, that would be, and I, I know that that's, I can't imagine. Yeah. That you know, but, but having to see someone you love lose the person that they love more than anything is, um, and watching them go through that is just excruciating. Was there a part of you that felt like you had to be strong for your mom? Always. I, I don't like, I always said to, you know, my sister and I, um, we kind of made it a point to say like, you know, our grief comes second. Our, mm -hmm. our, you know, I, I, I want to grieve kind of quietly, you know, off to the side, but I want her grief to come first. I want mm -hmm. her to come first. I wanted, you know, to prioritize everything that she needed. And I, and I hope, you know, that we were able to do that even just well enough to just be an ounce of, you know, kind of help to her, but um, yeah, our grief was, was secondary for me at that point. Her grief was the most important thing. And I really just tried to focus on that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and were you able then to kind of grieve openly with your sister or your husband, or did you feel like that was needing to be Always. Started? Yeah. Yeah, always. I think that it's, um, I truly don't know for, for, for my, you know, the situation that, that I was in, I don't know how I would have gotten through that without my sister, like my twin sister, because we're so close and we, uh, we share a brain. We're the same person. Um, and I truly think that, you know, everyone needs to have a person like that to greet the person that you can call seven times a day to just say, I'm not okay. This is really painful. I don't know what to do, you know, and to just have someone to kind of bounce that grief off of and, and to have that reciprocated, you know, and just that was the most important thing. Um, so I definitely had her to grieve with fully and openly. Um, and then, um, and then of course my husband was, you know, here for, for all of it. And, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it can be really difficult to share grief with people because not everyone has the same level of emotional intelligence, right? Yeah. Like, 
not everyone is on the same level emotionally and they don't necessarily need to share mm -hmm. um, where I learned that I do. I don't heal unless I communicate and talk. Yeah. So I think that's, that's um, interesting too, because I think there can be a level of frustration when um, you have one person who feels the need to talk and get it out and the other person is not that way. And, you know, it can work out really well where that other person is a great listener. But then I think there's a part of you that thinks, at least with me, like, so do you not care? And it's, it's, you know, it takes a moment to have to step back and say, no, this person just grieves differently than me. It's not that they don't care. It's that they aren't the way that I am. And Absolutely. yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> um, um, no, and, and I think that the one thing that I've really learned and, and while it can be, um, it can be so frustrating as a grieving person to try to communicate um, or to have, you know, depending on what your options are for, you know, the people around you and whether or not you can utilize them to grieve, right? Because some people just don't have the ability to be kind of to share their emotions. Um, yeah. that, can be, that can be really hard and really frustrating um, because grief is even when you have someone to share it with grief is so incredibly isolating yeah and and I feel like there were days where I just wanted to kind of scream to everybody like this isn't okay this something is wrong like our world is not okay you know but you can't do that because that's not how society works yeah yeah I think on top of that, you know, there's like, I felt that. And I also felt like just wanting to scream, like, I want, I want to be seen. Like I want yes. people to see what I'm, I'm, that I'm hurting. Yes. And, yeah. And I, and I think, and I, I remember just, you know, listening to your, I actually listened to your story a few times because I just, mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, hearing you talk about that kind of that cocoon that you were in that of love right and and people are showing up for you and you know they're there and they want to be there and they're helping the best that they can and you know that you know yeah. by you know doing the the chores and you know bringing food and you know people were amazing for my mom they were so supportive mm -hmm. my friends were so supportive and my sisters in the same like I know that they were but um eventually you know the world moves on and it moves on yeah. quickly and you don't. Right. Um, yeah. So, and that's why I feel like it's just, I really kind of dove into kind of more of the grief community on mm. social media because I felt like I just needed to be around like-minded people. Right. Yeah. I just needed to be able to share my feelings without criticism or judgment or anything, you know, or the silver linings, you yeah. know, of people trying, because I think people genuinely really want to help and their way of doing that sometimes is saying, well, you know, trying to find a silver lining or look on the bright side or, 
or put move you forward. Yeah. And um, and yeah, I think the grief community just knows. No, we just need to listen. Yeah, I I feel like when it comes to parent loss, mm-hmm. um, I think to society it comes as less of a shock because mm-hmm. natural assumption is that well our parents eventually do pass away. That's normal. And it's, it's less, maybe it's less shocking, or maybe that's just kind of how I felt that other people saw it that way. It's like, you know, so-and-so's parent passed away. Oh, that's really, that's so sad. That's too bad that their parent died. Like, you know, um, whereas when it's, it, you know, younger and, and it, it's more sudden and things like that, but I really look at it a lot differently now because he had, I feel like he had so many amazing years left. He should have had so many amazing years left and, you know, decades maybe. And, and there was no reason for it. And I still trying to kind of think about, you know, that and how like, wait a second, even, even the way that I look at when other parents, when other, when my friend's parents pass away, I've had some friends lose their parents since I lost mine. And and I look at it and think, I am so much different than I was seven months ago in how I see even those deaths. Um, because while I thought, you know, death is natural, we know that, but yeah. it's still traumatizing. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's so, so traumatizing to have this person taken away. Yeah. And I think that every death is a tragedy, but not every death is viewed as being tragic. You know, you hear about someone, it's like, oh, that's a tragic death. But it's like, no, to that person, any death, however it happened, whatever age, you know, it's tragic. It's so tragic. It's it's just, but I mean, it is life. (laughs) We know that it is tragic. And ultimately it's about, how do we support the people, the grievers, the, 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 the ones who have lost, you know, yeah. this person that they love and who are still here and now have to find a new normal and yeah. learning how to support them um, is so important. It's yeah. just something that we're not good at. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to ask what, um, what was it that led you to write your book? And can you talk about like what the book is and how it can be used? Yeah. Um, so I, I really don't, I've never written anything in my whole life. I don't even like write in a journal for therapy <laughs> because I don't, I don't know how to do it really very well at all. Um, and I, when I, when, when I initially had gone back to work after the two weeks, I was still so hurt um and in so much pain naturally and and as was you know my entire family still trying to kind of come to terms with this and I was um I was sitting at work and I just it was um, during a night shift and you know it was dark at our base and I was sitting in my chair and I think my partner might have been sleeping I'm not really sure not or not in the room I'm not sure but um I was sitting there and I just felt so I had so many kind of emotions in my head. I really couldn't focus on anything. And often, you know, what they say in in therapy or whatever is, um, you know, to write your feelings down, Mm -hmm. um, to 
down to get them out of your head. You know, I do it with my to-do list sometimes, like, you know, so I can sleep at night, write it down. Yeah. So I thought maybe I'll just, you know, type it on my phone and, and, and put it into my phone so I can just put it out there and then get it maybe out of my head briefly. I'm not sure what I was expecting. And so I just kind of started typing what I was feeling and I ended up spending, I think, eight hours just typing, you know, different sentences and then moving things around and things were kind of making sense and rhyming a little bit. And I was like, oh, this is kind of turning into a poem. Like it, it's, it's rhyming and it's, and it's, maybe it's just for me. I don't know. Like initially I was, you know, I'm just writing this for me. And, um, and so I wrote it down, like I said, over kind of eight hours. And then I kind of read it after and I thought this sounds so nice and it's just simple. And it, this is exactly how I feel. And it was, it was lovely and painful kind of all at the same time to read it back to myself after I was done. And, um, I came home after my night shift and I called my mom and I read it to her. Mm. And of course the words at that point. And she, she was like, Oh my goodness, what is this? What did you, where did you get this? And I said, um, I wrote it and I feel like, I think I want to maybe turn it into a children's book. Like, and I, and I'd never obviously done that before. I've never, so Mm. I don't know why I really thought that that would maybe just because the words were just kind of simple and not yeah. super complicated. Um, and, um, and because it's just, I am a child in this situation. Like I, this is you know, my parent. And um, so I came into the house and my husband and my two younger children were in the kitchen and I read it. I said, I, I want to read you guys a book really mm-hmm. quick. And I read it to them and my daughter, who's nine said, oh my gosh, we should get that book. It's really good. And I was, I was so touched. It was so sweet when she said that. And I said to her, like, I wrote that. Um, and I think maybe I will turn it into a children's book. And um, I called my, so I called my daughter um, who's 14. She was with her two older children or for my first marriage. So they were with their dad that night and I called her and I said to her, um, I really want you to help me. I, I wrote something and I think I want to turn it into a children's book. And um, she's very artistic and just mm-hmm. her, just, yeah, she's just really talented and um, has um, a vision that like I could never really, I don't think have. And um, I explained to her what I, I, I didn't, I hadn't read it to her yet. I just explained to her what I wanted to have the front cover look like. Um, and, or, and I was kind of just thinking as I was talking, you know, this is what I think. Um, and she drew it that day on her iPad and, um, and she sent it to me and we kind of made a few adjustments, but, um, that's, that's kind of how that started with the, with the illustrations. Um, I really took a lot of the a lot of things from our life Um, so on the front cover so um the cemetery where my dad is buried um where we stand um my mom chose a plot that faces a forest oh wow um that's why I put the forest there in the background and um he passed 
obviously in December and there was snow on the ground and the footprints, I, my sister and I both had said like, we'll never look at footprints in the snow um, the same way ever again, just because that just became kind of, you know, the thing that we looked at every day was footprints in the snow at the cemetery. Mm. So that's why I put the footprints kind of um, in the snow and the cover in the, and the back there. And um, the character is um, my, my six-year-old son. I, mm. I, made, I had her draw the character as him animated. Yeah. Um, so it kind of just snowballed from there. She kind of taught me how to use um, an Apple pen and, you know, on the app and taught me kind of how to draw different things and use the different effects. And it just, from there, kind of, you know, over five months, just kind of turned into what it was. And I took a lot of our life um, and little things that reminded us of him um, and he and my mom and, and put that into the book. And I just really wanted, I think initially, you know, when I first started it and I, I really didn't, I had no idea what I would turn it into or what it would be, or if I would publish it. I think I really just wanted my mom to have something to look at, that bring her, you know, a little bit of joy. I just, I don't know why I just really wanted. And that's why I kind of put all those little pieces in there for her. I just wanted her to have, to have that. Um, and then I, and then I realized over, you know, time, like I, maybe I'll just publish it and I'll just let it, I'll just share it with whoever I think might be able to, you know, get any sort of, I don't know, joy from it or relief or um, validation or anything, you know, just for their feelings um, by reading it or sharing it with their kids. Yeah. That's, you know, just my hope that they can just read it and think I can see myself, you know, I, and, and I think I have had the um, exact um, situation where someone reached out to me to say, you know, I lost my husband and we have a grandson and, and that last page, we can just see my husband and my grandson in that picture. And that just touched my heart. Yeah. So much. That's really cool. It's, it's brought me a lot of, yeah, it's brought some joy in a really dark time. Yeah. How was it telling your, your kids um, when your dad had passed? Um, it was the worst thing I've ever had to say out loud. Um, we called, I called my, uh, my, they were with my um, ex-husband the night, my two older children were with my ex-husband yeah. um, that night. And I, and my uh, younger two were still here at home and my husband had stayed behind um, so that I could go and, and be with my mom. And then he came after he took them to, um, I want, I don't know if they were still, no, they were not in school there. We must've had someone come here to the house to hang out with them. And, and we didn't tell them right away. Um, my ex-husband brought my older two over to my parents' house. And he just told them that they were, that we were going over to meet me. And uh, he didn't tell them why. And um, they came in the door and, um, we sat them down in the living room. So they're 14 and 18. And um, 
Sorry. No. I still, you know, there's words that you say, things that you say in life that you just, you can't believe that you had to say. And, and having them sit there looking at me and they were kind of like confused because the second that my son walked in the door, he said, Poppy, where are you at? You know, and um, I just having to say to them, um, you know, something bad has happened and Poppy passed away and that was really awful. Yeah. Really painful. And I think I'm grateful that we got to do that separately with mm -hmm. them. I knew that they truly understood what that meant. Yeah. And they got to be with, you know, adults and they got to be there to, you know, hold my mom and, and hug and cry with her. Mm -hmm. and, and I appreciated that they got to have that alone. Yeah. Um, and then my husband and my husband came home. Um, so when we went to the funeral home and then we waited and it was, um, so the day went on as usual for my younger two who were six and nine. And um, I got home around nine o'clock that night and um, we were, uh, we sat them in the kitchen and I think my nine-year-old, she knew something was wrong because I just could not control my, my crying. Yeah. And, um, and so we told them and she was, she obviously understands that more as well than um, Hunter is six and he... He was, um, it was really weird, actually. Um, it, he was more, he was kind of angry at us. Really? I think because he was, I think it's because he didn't understand our emotions. Like he didn't understand what was happening because yeah. he doesn't understand dying. Um, obviously he doesn't know what that means really. Like he has no idea, can't grasp that. So he was just angry that we were emotional. And like, that was the only way that he knew how to kind of deal with it so he was kind of like pushing us away and didn't want us to you know really hug him at first and then um it was actually really amazing I just um on Christmas day I don't know if you saw the movie Soul I haven't watched it yet but oh my goodness it. yeah please watch it um I uh I could never have I could never have really thought about how, like in that week, um, you know, we went through everything with the funeral and um, the children all got to see Poppy, Poppy and we did have a casket. So we did have some private visitation. So they got to see that, um, you know, Poppy is, is here, but he's, he's not here anymore. He's not awake and he's not alive and he's not going to live life with us anymore. And that was, but still with, my six-year-old, like he could see, we let him see, um, but I still know he, he understood that. And the most incredible thing happened um, on Christmas day, Disney released Soul and we were laying in bed because life just was not really happening very much yeah. at that point. And um, I was in bed and my, most of the family kind of came in and laid with me. And I had seen on my phone, a, um, a preview for this movie soul I had no idea what it was I didn't you know I didn't I had no idea that Disney was coming out with a new movie on Disney plus and 
Um, I looked at my son and I said, hey, Disney has a new movie. Do you want to watch it? Um, it's called Soul. And he had seen a preview for it. And he's like, yeah, I want to watch it. And so my husband and my daughter and my son and I all laid in bed and watched this movie. And it's about, it's obviously animated. Yeah. And it's a, a man who, um, who kind of is living like, you know, this, his life and he, something great happens for him. And then he has an accident and his soul leaves his body and goes up into kind of this, what seems like maybe heaven or yeah. I'm not sure. And, um, and, and he has to kind of go through this adventure to kind of figure out like his purpose in life or the meaning of life, or he's trying to get back to his body. Cause he's like, this is wrong. This yeah. is, it's the cutest movie, but it's so perfectly articulated what we think or what we tried to explain has happened to his poppy. And that now is when we have conversation, everything is, you know, Poppy's spirit went up to the clouds and it is really, it just could not have been a better timing. It was, it was serendipitous. I, I'm so grateful for that movie. Yeah. Allowed my, my youngest child to understand kind of, and not that it's understanding reality. We all don't know what that is, but just to have a concept now in his mind that he can wrap, that he can grasp. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I don't have living children and I had only had one interaction with, um, our friend's daughter who said, um, one day we were hanging out and she said, where's baby Hank? And she like looked at my stomach and I just said, Oh, like he's, he's in heaven. And I was like, I don't know what, and I, I like kind of looked at my friend, like, does she have anyone else, you know, who she can kind of relate. And the only thing she had was like a cat, you know, but yeah. yeah. And so we were like, he's with Huckleberry and it's, it's hard. I think in some ways, like kids have this amazing capacity for just kind of understanding or accepting and just saying like, Oh, okay. Like, um, and I, yeah, I've, I've heard other people say that the children in their lives have been the ones who are the most understanding and okay, because it's not taboo for them yet. Like they haven't, they haven't had our, our culture and, um, and I don't know, I don't know if I want to say like fear of death, but just sort of like this, you don't talk about things that are not, you know, great. And, and it seems like kids haven't been touched by that yet. Absolutely. I think that probably the hardest part about other than they real, they don't really have to think about kind of what has happened and, and what's going on until, you know, the absence of the person that they love is, is felt. Um, but when they're so young, they don't necessarily remember mm. that, which is also another part of grief that is really difficult to know that, um, you know, your younger children don't, won't have memories of this human being that was so just profound in your life. Um, that's a really difficult thing to kind of deal with as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, children are, they truly are so resilient, um, and, and helpful. 
in grief. Yeah. One thing that I did not understand until I went through it was um, like when you talked about sitting with your dad and kind of holding his hand and saying goodbye and being with, with him um, that until I was given my son, I really realized like there's something that's so important about being with their body and saying goodbye and having that moment. And before I thought that was just such a morbid thing. I think I just didn't understand why someone would do that. And now it like completely makes sense to me. And I think that's like another thing that, you know, we can kind of normalize like, hey, it's, I think very healthy to say goodbye and to have that physical contact with a person like after they've gone. Absolutely. I feel actually so strongly about that now also. And I think it's amazing that that's something that's supported Mm -hmm. in hospitals or at home with child loss, with baby loss, because how do you, how do you heal at all if you can't have that closure Um, or you, or you can't, things can't kind of while you didn't have control over, you know, the ending, how do, how do you heal if you didn't have any control over your closure, your ending yeah. with that person? I think it's so important. And, and it's also something that I think it's something that will make me better in my, my job as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, I think about all the situations that we've been in and, um, as you know, first responders and you come in and you do your job and you leave. Um, and we do get very little training in that kind of, you know, grief support, mm-hmm. support and things like that. And, and to be honest, I'd never been in that situation before where I had to be there after everything was done, you know, leave. I leave at the end of it. And then I don't, you know, police typically stay and we don't have to kind of deal with all that stuff. And, um, I knew that um, I knew that I needed I knew that I needed that I needed to be able to see him um, and to spend that time with him because I think that if he was just gone and you know I couldn't even remember like what our interaction was like I remember seeing mm-hmm. him what did we talk about what did you know I know I hugged him I know I told him I loved him but I needed to, I needed to be able to just share that space with him to be able to have that memory. And I feel like it's so important. And, you know, I think that, you know, in hospitals, um, you know, when people pass suddenly and they do give that space, um, you know, for you to share that and, and to be, to be able to be with them and sit with them and, and look at them and just to be still with, with your person that you've lost. I think it's so important because I think it's a lot harder to be able to move on and, and heal um, when you don't have that closure. Yeah. You know, when that's absent, when that's gone. And, um, and I think that will really change moving forward, how I do my job and how I I'll leave a person at, you know, mm-hmm. leave them at home and, um, and then how I communicate with their loved ones who are there and, and, you know, whether I encourage them to do the same or, you know, ha- even have that conversation with them. Yeah. 
um, which I never did before. That was never something that I talked about um, with anyone. So that's really changed my perspective a lot. Um, yeah, and I'm and I'm really grateful for it. And I'm um, I I was able to one of the other things. My my dad's sister lives in Italy, and. Mm -hmm my mom was able to get a hold of her and we, we FaceTimed and I was able to sit with him as well with her on the phone so that she could see him and say goodbye. And I'm so grateful that she got to do that as well um, because I think that she would have needed that also, you know, because she lives so far away and she hadn't seen him in quite a long time, you know? So it's, it's, it's definitely a, a different, part of, of loss that I, I never really thought about, but, but really important. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think once you go through it, you really understand um, how much that means. And that's really cool that it has changed the way you're approaching things in your job. And, you know, on the one hand, I just think you have such a wonderful opportunity to make such a profound impact in people's lives when they're having the worst day of their life. And, um, and that's obviously not easy on you, but that's just such a gift. I, I am grateful for it. I, if, if anything, you know, I've said it before that I can't think of any reason, you know, that whole, everything happens for a reason type thing. I don't believe in that. I'm not that, I don't have that type of mentality. And um, I don't believe anything can good, anything good comes from, you know, losing someone that you love. I just don't do that. But, but I think that we do have a choice. Um, potentially, should we, you know, are, if we're able to kind of get around the mental health associated with grief and loss, because that can be really um, damaging. Um, I do think that there is an opportunity to be more empathetic and be more compassionate. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm grateful to my dad for giving me that, yeah. you know, for just, if I can be an ounce of a better person, mm -hmm. way, shape or form, I'm, it's, you know, because of everything that we've gone through because of his loss, because of how much, you know, it mattered. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I want to um, end by asking you what was one of your favorite memories or um, just little moments with your dad? Is there ever anything that you kind of go back to or hold on to? So, yes, um, when I think about, you know, I spend so much time, I spend really every silent moment thinking about him and thinking about he and my mom. And I think about, you know, how life would have been, you know, for them and um, what he would want, you know, for our lives now. And um, I think the thing that I go back to the most is, and I thought about it today, um, is what it felt like to hug him mm -hmm. and to hear him say, love you. Um, I, I think about it because I, I never want to forget what that felt like. 
Um, and, and no matter how short our visit was or how long it was or where we saw each other, it always ended with a hug and a kiss on the cheek and I love you. And um, that is what, there's so many things to remember him for, but that is what I never want to forget. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Do you have any final thoughts or um, advice for anyone who's grieving before we come to a close? I think that one thing that I would, if I could share any sort of advice with anyone who is kind of entering this grief journey or even stuck in the grief journey, because I think it's easy to get stuck in, is I have found um, so much validation from the grief community, from, mm -hmm. from, from listening to other people's stories and just being able to know that um, I'm not alone and my mom's not alone and my sister is not alone, you know, that there are others out there and you don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to feel like you're alone. Um, I found a lot of validation in podcasts. I've done that. I actually did not listen to a podcast ever in my life before this happened. Wow. And um, so yours was the first one I ever listened to. Wow. Um, <laughs> and it truly just, um, it just snowballed, you know, into every, I don't even listen to music in the car anymore. Um, mm. I listen to podcasts and it was, so the very first one, I don't know how I fell into it was, um, Kristen's story. Yeah. It was the very first one and her child was born on my dad's birthday and her book or uh, sunlight in December. Yep. Yeah. My dad died. My dad died in December, and I just felt like those two things just told me like I'm I'm doing the right thing, you know. I'm I should be here, and um, you know, I listened to your podcast, and then I started listening to others, and just being able to hear other stories, and it just it even if in the world of chaos and 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 life moving on, and everyone moving on, and and living life. Um, I felt like I could be in my grief doing exactly that, listening to those stories. Um, and I do feel like it is those stories and listening to you talk and others talk about their grief that does make me more empathetic yeah. and compassionate. And I'm super grateful for that. It's brought me so much um, just joy to be able to do that. So I would say, if you don't know where to start, just start there start yeah. listening to other people's stories and I think it's more powerful than I even realized yeah I'm I'm really honored to hear that because that was um the one thing that really was healing to me was to see that I wasn't alone and to hear these other stories and to listen to stillbirth stories on YouTube and you know I think someone on the outside might think like, oh, she's making herself sad. And it's like, no, I'm making myself feel 
normal. And it was really healing for me. I think too, it's really amazing that because um, when you don't know how to communicate feelings and you don't know how to be that kind of person, um, I think it's, especially when you're not surrounded necessarily by those type of people, I think it's really amazing to hear that there are other people who think and know how important it is to talk about this stuff, Yeah. right? Talk about grief and to talk about pain. Um, I, I, I think there's so much power in that. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much again for just taking the time to come on and to share um, your story and the story of your dad. I am really just honored that you would take the time to do that. And um, it's been a real pleasure to chat with you. And um, I think this will help a lot of people who are in so many similar situations and just need to feel that they're normal. Thank you so much. I, it really just, it means a lot to be able to share just even for, again, it's, it's just another part of healing to be able to, to talk about it and, and to share that. So I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. And where can everyone um, connect with you or find your book? Yeah. So um, because of COVID um, everything was, you know, it's been difficult to now everything's open. So I'll be able to start, you know, getting my book into other places and stores, yeah. brick and mortar stores where you can walk in. Um, but right now um, on my website, www.anemotioncalledgrief.com um, is where you can um, kind of see my story and um, kind of pre the book. And then you can, um, there's a link in there to purchase the book as well. You can also contact me via email down at the bottom of the website if um, they want to do that. And then um, it is on Amazon as well, An Emotion Called Grief. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. And thank, thank you, you so all much. so much for listening. Um, really appreciate it. Again, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can just go ahead and click the subscribe button and then rate and review. Um, that means a lot. And then you can also follow along on Instagram at Morning Dove Pod. And you can follow me at Allie Rose Felker um, on Instagram as well to connect. And if you have a story or an insight that you would like to share, please shoot me an email. My email address is AllieRoseFelker at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. And I hope you have a beautiful day.